So this morning I'm talking about when you're ready to stop wandering. Now, I don't know about you, but um, I don't mind going for a bit of a wander every now and then. And my particular favourite time for going wandering is when I'm in places I've never been before. So like when Heather and I were in Europe, on the days that we didn't have things planned where we had to be or tours that we had booked, we would simply walk out of the building and just go for a walk. We'd literally just go for a wander and we'd discover so many things, right? Recently, we were in Tasmania. We've never been there before. We went to Hobart. We did exactly the same thing. We would just get out and we would just walk and we'd just wander and wander and wander for hours. And wandering's great, right, when you're a tourist and when you're on holiday, but it's actually not a really good approach towards living your life. And yet, some of us find ourselves in that place. Now, not all wandering's bad, right? So sometimes there is a kind of wandering that is a season in our life. It's, it's almost a God-imposed thing where we're not where we used to be and we're not where we're going and there's this in-between space where we live. I went through that when I left my last church and before I went back into ministry. Last week, if you were here, you would have heard Bill Garley tell a wonderful story about he's in seven years of this where, again, he's not where he was, but he's not where he is going to be. It's a kind of limbo. Um, So sometimes we find ourselves in these seasons and, you know, they're not wastes of time either. If you remember the story of Israel themselves wandering in the desert, like end up wandering 40 years, but, but 40 years of wandering, that was not wandering without a purpose. Like God was doing stuff in them. They were learning stuff. They were being prepared for the future. So sometimes there's this season, this God ordained time for wandering where God is doing stuff in us in preparation for the next thing to come. But then there's the kind of wandering where it's just meandering through life, and that's, that's kind of on us. And I get it, right? It's, it's easy sometimes to just meander through life. It requires very little emotional energy uh, and mental energy to do that sort of thing. We can just kind of scoot through, just take roll from day to day to day to day. But then um, there's other times where we're, we're wandering because... We don't really know which direction to go in. We don't know where to go and we don't know what the next step is to take. And then, of course, there are times we wander because we know exactly the direction we're meant to go and exactly the step we're meant to take, but we we put off taking it for as long as we can. Um, I think we call that procrastination. Do we have any procrastinators with us this morning? Yes, all the hands in this building have gone up, all seven of them. Um, so we're all, we're all a little bit procrastinate, uh, c- capable of procrastinating. And sometimes, well, sometimes it's just a matter of better the devil you know. Sometimes it's better to stay with the familiarity of what we have rather than risk uh, going into something that we're not sure how that's going to work out. And yeah, you know what, where, where we are now, it's not, not the promised land that we think we could be in, but by the same token, there, there aren't really any giants here trying to kill us either. So, so what I want to get out of this story this morning is this, right? Sooner or later, we're going to come to our point in our lives where we have to make a choice as to whether we're going to go forward or whether we're going to stay where we are or potentially go backwards. Now, for Israel, it was literally the Jordan River. That point was actually a geographical point. For us, it might be some sort of opportunity, an internal or an external pressure. It may be a timing thing. And what I want us to understand and draw out from this story is this. Going forward into the future that God has for us um, largely depends on us. And so when we're ready to stop wandering, there are three things that I think are going to be essential towards taking us forward, and they are this. The choices we make, the steps we take, and the stories we choose to focus on. So the choices we make, 
the steps we take and the choices, uh, the stories we choose to focus on. Now, I don't normally do three-point sermons, so I'm, it's kind of fallen this way, so I'm assuming that it's really extra anointed this morning, so, so come with me, all right? So let's have a look at the choices we make. After 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, right, Joshua and the Israelites are now again standing on the edge of the promise of the promised land. They're there. Now, they were there 40 years ago, not in this exact geographical point, but at this point of standing on the edge of the promise that God had, had, had wanted to give them. But at that stage 40 years ago, they'd sent spies out into the land who then came back and gave a bad report. They said, yeah, look, the place is wonderful. It's everything it's cracked up to be, except there's a giants and there's bunyips and there's beasties and they're going to kill us all. And everyone got frightened and, and bottled out. And that lack of faith cost them 40 years, that 40 years of wandering in the desert. So here they are again, but this time, this time they're going in. And this time it's Joshua leading them and not Moses. And what Joshua does is he sends his officers out throughout the camp to all the people of Israel and he sends them out with this message. He says to them, you've got to get ready because when you see the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant you are to get up and you are to follow them because they are going to lead the way into the promised land. And then he says, and give them this message. This is what you're to tell the people. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Now, now consecrate is not in our common language. It's not a daily word, right? And it's actually, it's a bit of a religious word. But it actually doesn't have a very complicated meaning. It simply means to set apart, to dedicate yourself to something or for something. Now, as a, an everyday example of this, I have a consecrated fry pan at home. It's our scan pan. We paid more than a couple of hundred dollars for this thing. And that is not for common use. The only time that the scan pan gets brought out is when we are going to cook our tart to tans. You don't get to cook your bacon and eggs and your sausages and your pancakes in it. No, 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 no. You use your everyday pans for that. The scan pan has been set apart, has been dedicated for tart to tans. So, in essence, consecration is about making a choice, a predetermined decision about what you are going to be about, about who you are and what you are going to be about, what your purpose, why you are here, what you're going to give yourself to, what you're going to do with the time and the talents and the resources and the gifts that God has actually given you. And that gives you then the criteria to be able to make all decisions from that point on. So whenever we come up against something, whenever we come up against a decision that needs to be made, um, a direction in life, like a fork in the road or something, we are able to decide which way we're going to go because we have already predetermined who we are and what we were about. And the questions we're able to ask ourselves is, is that going to help me be the person I have predetermined myself to be and take me the places I have, have predetermined that I'm going to go to do the things that I have predetermined I'm going to do? Or is it going to lead me away from that? That's what simple consecration in action looks like. It's when I decide who I am, what I'm about and what I am for, that makes it very easy for me to decide what I am not about, what I am not for and what I am not going to do. So before they even go, they even get going, Joshua says to them, essentially, it's time for us to set ourselves apart. It's time for us to dedicate ourselves, for us to decide that this 
is what we're about. And I want you to see this. There is this connection between the choice that we make and the things that God does. He says, consecrate yourselves. That's, that's our part. Only we can do that. Only we can make that choice. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Us doing one is a prerequisite for God doing the other. We make the choice today and then we get to watch what God does in and through and for us tomorrow. God wants to do things in us. God wants to do things through us. God wants to do things for us. God wants to do amazing things. But for that to happen, he needs people who are prepared and, have, and are positioned for that to happen. People who have made the conscious decision to consecrate themselves, to dedicate themselves to him and to his plans and to his purpose. Essentially for us, consecration is an identity issue. It's how do we see ourselves? What's the primary way we self-identify? And for most of us, to be honest, that should be very simple. We are followers of Jesus. That is our principal identity. We are about Jesus and we are about his kingdom. That is the predetermined choice that we have made. So that's the thing that helps us make all other decisions from that point on. But we need to be people who are dedicated, people who are committed, people who have set themselves apart and decided, I have given my life to this thing. When we make that decision, that enables us to make all these other smaller decisions as we go on through life. So here's the thing, consecration, it's really a lifestyle thing. It's not a one-off type of action. It's a choice that determines our ongoing choices. It's a decision that determines our ongoing decisions. When something comes up, we know which way to go. We know what is going to be required of us because we have decided who we are and what we are about. Now, now Jesus did this type of thing. This is the type of thing that was like front-loaded in the conversations that he would have with people. There were people would come up to him sometimes and they would say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I, no, actually, I'm going to follow you. And Jesus would say, okay, fine, All right? Um, you can. But then the people would go, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family or let me go and bury my father. Now, now we know we're not literally talking about someone necessarily going and burying his father and missing the funeral. It was about, let me fulfill my family obligations. And when people would say that, Jesus would say, no. No, no one who puts their hand to the plough and then looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. It seems really harsh, but what Jesus was essentially saying was, there's no but first in the kingdom. It's either you've decided to follow me and then everything then follows from there, or you haven't. There is no but first. Because people who have got a but first will never be effective in the kingdom. I saw this cartoon the other day. And it was a room full of people. And the person at the front of the room was saying, who wants change? And every hand in the room was up. And the next question was, who wants to change? And there wasn't one hand up in the room. Well, it's funny because it's true. And I'm imagining you all guffawing at home. Okay? They are in the building anyway. Okay? We people are funny things, right? We want change, but we don't necessarily want to do any different. We want different outcomes. We want to see God do amazing things. But sometimes we want to do it without having to make the necessary choices that we need to make in order to see those things happen. We want to get different results, but we don't want to necessarily do any different. And what I want us to understand from this story right up front is that you don't get Canaan without a conscious act of consecration first. 
So whatever that is for us, whatever that promise is for us, whatever that future is for us, whatever that thing is that we feel that we're meant to do, called to do, want to do, whatever, we don't get that without first making a conscious act of consecration up front. So firstly, there are the choices we make. Secondly, there are the steps that we take. Because in the end, ultimately, we must do. See, in the end, all the best intentions in the world don't actually change anything. Anyone ever made a New Year's resolution? How did that work for you? Exactly. Okay. Faith without works is what, the Bible says. It says it's dead, right? Faith without works is absolutely dead. It does nothing. Our choices have to move to action. And Joshua called all the people to him and he said, God is going to drive out all the people before you. And man, that, we resonate with that verse. That's cool because like God's going to do that. God's going to do it. We just have to wait here while God goes and drives all the people out. And isn't the way, this is, isn't this is the way we want things to roll out for us sometimes, you know? God, you, you kind of get in there and do it all for us so we don't have to do it, okay? You go in and take it. But Joshua says, no, God is going to drive out all the people before you, but you've got to go in and take it. And to do that, you're going to have to cross the Jordan River. And that was no small feat, right? We're not talking about a little creek. We're actually talking about a river. And at this time of the year, it was in flood stage. And it, had, it was deep and it had a strong current. So God's going to drive all the people out before you, but you've got to cross the river to go in there and do it, right? But in order for the Jordan, for you to cross the Jordan, the Jordan's got to, like, it's got to stop flowing. It need, there needs to be a way made for you to cross this because otherwise you're just going to drown. So... So it has to stop flowing. Oh, and here's the good news. The way the Jordan will stop flowing is if you step into it first, right? You need to actually put your feet in the water. And only then, once you've stepped into it, will the river actually stop flowing. And he says this in verse 12. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan... Its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Now, back in Exodus, right, back in their, their earlier history, the first time the Israelites encountered a really troublesome body of water that stood between them and their freedom or their promise, it was the Red Sea. And that time, in order for them to get across, all Moses had to do was raise his staff and the water part. I know I say all he had to do. It's like it's a common day experience, right? All you have to do is raise your staff and waters part, right? But that was the thing. The waters parted first and then they were able to walk through on dry land. Not this time. 40 years later, they've been wandering in the desert. They've had experiences. They've got to know this God a lot better. They've seen all sorts of things. So this time, God is like, this is actually going to be more like a cooperation, more like a partnership rather than me just doing everything for you. Yeah, I'm going to drive everyone out, but you're going to have to be part of doing this. And to starting place is you're going to have to step in the water. And once you step in the water, then I'm going to part it. Man, how I prefer the other way first, if God would just do it, if God would just part the waters, but not this time. They have to step into the waters first. So our actions are catalysts for God's activity. The river doesn't stop unless we actually step into it. And there's a risk involved in that, right? Honestly, there is a risk involved in that. And most of us want to go through our lives without taking many risks. I like risk aversion. It's a comfortable way to live. 
And for these people, there was a very real risk. The Ark of the Covenant could have become the raft of the covenant, right, if things hadn't have gone well. But there was no other alternative. For God, as we travel with him, as we mature with him, as we learn to know his ways and, and step out and grow and mature, he starts to ask us to do more and more, and it becomes more of a partnership, more of a cooperative venture. So when we step in, it stops and not before. Our actions are catalysts for God's activity. So let's be honest with ourselves this morning, right? Let's, let's take time for a bit of self-reflection. Is there something that you feel like you... Is there the equivalent of the promised land for you at the moment? Is there something you feel you want or you're being called to or that God has promised you and it's just, it's just over the other side of the river... What is the step you are balking at taking? The thing you know you feel called to, you could do, maybe you even should do. What is that first step that you're balking at taking? Because, you know, you really, you just, you just want the waters to part first. You want, the, you want the Moses scenario. You want to be able to say, God, part the waters, then I'm happy to pass through. But he's actually saying to you, no, I'm not doing anything. You're stepping into it first. What is that step that you're balking at taking? I'll, I'll be honest, Let me, I'll, I'll share first, right? Since I'm asking you to think about it, I'll share first. Um, th- there's a thing that's been following me around for a few years now that I'm, I kind of try and shrug off a lot. And it sounds really ludicrous, it sounds ludicrous to me, it'll probably sound ludicrous to you. But for a number of years, a number of people have been saying to me, you need to write a book, right? There's cheers going on here. So that's, that's the three people that have told me. No, there's been a lot of people have been telling me this. It's weird. It comes up all the time. Hey, have you thought about writing a book? You need to write a book. And if you think that doesn't mean anything, the fact that I'm in pastoral ministry today is because people came up to me and said, have you considered going into pastoral ministry? I haven't. Anyway, here I am. So you should write a book. But here's the thing, right? I'm not going to take that first step. And here's why I'm not going to take that first step. Or why, well... I'm telling you I'm being disobedient. I'm confessing that, right? Here's why I'm struggling to take that first step. How's that? I've rephrased it. Here's why I'm struggling to take that first step. Because I think, who am I? Who am I? What have I possibly got to say? And who am I that anyone would want to read anything that I've got to offer? I have no audience. I have no platform. No, that's not true. I've got 10 followers on Twitter, right? So what? I just don't have the gumption... To do that, I'm not like one of those people that, that go on, you know, Australia's Got Talent or, or The Voice and, and I can't sing and pretend I can, you know? Like, I just don't have that sort of gall. But people kept telling me, you need to do this. Well, you know what I want? I want the waters to part first. I want, I want a large following. I want a big platform. I want there to be a reason for me to have to do this. I want a publisher to ring me up and say, Adrian, I know no one's ever heard of you, but will you write a book? That's what I want to happen first. But here's the thing. God's not giving me that. So if I'm going to be obedient to what I believe God might be saying to me, I've got to step my foot in the water. I've got to set foot in that water and see if those waters don't bank up first and then see where we go from there. I could be completely wrong. I could be washed downstream into the Dead Sea, right? But I'll never know unless I set my foot in the water first. So it's not easy to take that first step. Sometimes the thing we feel compelled to go for, the thing we want, seems as likely to happen as a river stopping flowing just because we put our foot in the water. But this is, this is how faith works. We step And then God stops. And we'll never know unless we try. 
But how's that going to happen, I hear you asking. Well, at the risk of sounding simplistic, that's not my problem. That's not your problem. God doesn't ask us to think about how it's all going to happen. He just says, step into the water. And he wasn't asking them to step into the middle of the water. He was asking them to step at the shallow end first. So he just asks us to step into the water first. And then, and only then, will we see the waters back up. So the choices we make, the steps we take, and finally, the stories we choose to focus on. This next bit is my favourite. Because they did step. And the waters did begin to back up downstream and create an opportunity for them to pass. And when the whole nation had crossed over into Canaan, the Lord told Joshua to get 12 men, each from the 12 tribes, to then go and pick up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River and to bring them over onto the Canaan side where they were and to erect them as a memorial. Why? Well, he says in chapter 4, verse 6, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So, so here's why this is important. They are not there yet. They've only just entered the promised land. This is the very beginning of the beginning. They still have a long way to go and a lot to do. They've got a whole country to take and they're going to have to fight for it. Jericho, AI. There are battles to be fought. There are victories to be won. There are losses to be had and there are lessons for them to be learned. But for now... They want to stop and they want to take this moment and physically acknowledge and memorialise this thing that had just happened for them. Why? To fuel themselves and future generations with the faith story that would motivate and sustain them for going forward into the future, for going forward into where God was leading them and the rest of the things that they had to do. Because this was the la- not the last time they were going to have to step out in faith. See, Israel developed a way very early on of kind of, kind of walking backwards into the future. Now, if it hadn't have been for COVID and you'd have been in the room, I was going to moonwalk to demonstrate that. But you've missed out on that opportunity and it's never, been, never to be repeated. Sounds of massive disappointment in the room. But Israel developed a way of walking backwards into the future. What I, what I mean is... They had this way of memorialising and and remembering these very significant events in their history that they would retell. Passover is a classic example of that. Every Friday night, they retell the story of the Passover, their deliverance from Egypt. Why? As fuel for faith going forward. They looked back on what God had done for them so they could use that as fuel for what God was calling to do for them in the present. Now, here's the thing. They've got 40 years of wandering behind them, right? They've got a bunch of stories that they could actually look back on. You can read through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You'll see all of these stories, hundreds of stories. But they don't choose to memorialise all of them. They, They choose the Passover. They choose this crossing over of the Jordan. Why? Well, because quite frankly, not all stories are worth retelling, are they? 
Not all stories are worth memorialising. Not all stories actually serve a really productive purpose in our life. And the stories we tell are important because they can spur us on or they can discourage us and hold us back. They can fire us up, they can birth faith, or they can just evoke fear and faltering in us. If you walk into our house, you will see photographs everywhere. There's In fact, there's a whole wall of photographs when you first walk in, and they're all around the house. And they are photos of um, our children, us on holidays, our, our daughter's weddings, our parents, our grandchildren, a whole range of things. Why? Because they're the happy things, the happy memories that we want to remember about our lives. Uh, these are the things that we want to celebrate our lives. Now, it's again, it's not our whole story, right? There are other parts of our lives, there are other parts to our story that don't make it onto the photo wall. Times where we're sick, where we're arguing, you know, where we've been sobbing because, you know, heartbroken, desolate. Um, we've gone through the most horrendous times, struggling with, you know, really, really difficult things. You know, we don't photograph those things and, and, and put them on the wall. We don't hide those things, they're part of our story. And you know what, sometimes those parts of our story are really helpful when we can encourage other people who are going through those times. But for the most part, we want to memorialise and celebrate the high points, the, 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 big, the big bits, the, the really good bits, because that's the stuff that helps remind us that God has been good to us and he is good to us and he will continue to be good to us. We want them to provoke good things in us. So these guys had some really doozy stories, you know. Um, thousands of people died once during a rebellion. At one point, the earth swallowed people. I mean, that would have been a cool story to tell people, especially the kids when they're mucking up. The Midianites did all sorts of horrible things to them, but they don't memorialise this. They memorialise these stories. And um, that was me saying to one of the people here, you can come up and get your guitar ready now. <laughs> anyway, we'll get better at this online stuff. Hopefully not anyway. They chose to memorialise this stuff, fuel for going forward that they were able to look at what they were called to do in the present by looking back on the past and going, remember when God did that thing? Then God is going to do that thing now. So what can you look back on and take into the next... What can you look back on to launch you into the next step forward? What stories are there in your history that can show that God can be trusted? Times where he has come through. Times where what seemed impossible becomes possible because as soon as you stepped into the river it stopped flowing so as I say wandering's fine there's a time and a place for it and maybe we may, may even be in a God-ordained season for that but if you know there's something that that God has called you to or there's something that you want to achieve or you believe you should go after and you're ready to stop wandering then then remember this remember the choices we make in the here and now are important the steps that we take are absolutely vital and that the stories we choose to focus on are either going to fuel us for going forward or they're going to actually cause us to falter. Anyway, God bless you. We're going to go into a time of communion now. And then again, this is a great way to end because we get to gather around one of our own Christian memorials. And that is communion. A time where we get to celebrate the death of Jesus. The love that brought him to earth to die for us. And we get to remind ourselves of this every single week. So no matter what we're facing, good, bad or indifferent, we get to remind ourselves that we, we worship and serve a God who hasn't hesitated to come down as one of us, to draw alongside us and to take on our pain and our suffering and our sin 
that he is with us and at all times. So bless you. Welcome. Grab some communion stuff. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Welcome to the Restore Church Sermons Podcast. We're so glad you joined us here today. We hope that through this message, you are encouraged, challenged, and strengthened. If you want to know more about Jesus, Restore Church, or have any questions, please head to restorechurch.com.au.